Come on. Quick ask before we get started today, I am working to help people lead happier and more contented lives. My part of that is money. So if you enjoyed today's episode or if you've enjoyed past episodes, please take a minute and leave a quick review on iTunes. Subscribe. That helps uh, the show climb up the rankings and helps more people uh, find it. So thanks a lot. Welcome to Money Savage, Savage Approach to Personal Finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Tracy Bissett. Tracy, are you ready to do this? Absolutely. Excellent. Let's do this. Tracy is a CFA. She is the founder, president, and chief fitness trainer at Bissett Financial Services. She's a college professor and a podcast host. I'm excited to have you on. Tracy, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. For sure. So I live in Toronto, Ontario, in Canada. Um, I love my dog Rosie. I love being outside and doing active things, and I absolutely love music and going to concerts. Uh, so that's a little bit about me personally. Um, I've been driven my whole life uh, with this feeling that I wanted to help people learn more about money. When I was a kid, our family was really open about money, and so I think I got off on a really great start, really great foundation. And so I've consistently done volunteer efforts, and now my business is all focused around helping people, predominantly young adults and entrepreneurs, take control of their financial fitness, as I call it, um, to improve their lives and take control of their lives so they can do whatever they want to do. And so that's really the mission that I'm on. And so in my business, I work with young adults as well as entrepreneurs to help them get the tools and education they need to be able to take those forward steps. Nice. I, I appreciate that. So what what do you see as as the, the problems that are manifesting from a lack of financial education? Well, I think first off, people... Um, blame themselves, they start feeling bad um, because they don't know as much as they might like to and they think it's their fault. Um, really, it's the, the school system's fault. When, you, when you're going to school, they don't train you as much as they should. And so you're kind of set off on the wrong foot. You don't have the, the foundation that you need. And certainly without having that foundation, it makes it harder the older you get to be able to tackle that in your personal or in your business life. And so to me, that's really the, the fundamental problem is the lack of knowledge. And then getting over that maybe fear of numbers, anxiousness, stress around it um, comes when you're when you're a little bit older and trying to figure out where do I go to figure this out. And that's really the big challenge. Right. And this is something that, that I know I certainly spend a good amount of time sort of trying, trying to wrap my brain around is when is maybe the best time to introduce financial literacy or education into schools? Then I thought the other day, I'm like, you know what? Is it just a function that schools are already spread so thin trying to teach so many other topics? Or why, why, why do you think it is that this isn't offered in, in, in schools? To be honest, I'm not sure because um, at a very young age, kids are, are taking notice of money. They're taking notice of what goes around it. I've had a five-year-old girl through my volunteer efforts tell me that money is evil. So what's going on in her Jeez. house? Like something's going on in there. She doesn't probably know exactly what money is, but she knows that it's bad yeah. because maybe there's crying, there's arguing, there's fighting. And so I think uh, perhaps 
educators in the school system are not equipped to know exactly what Mm -hmm. to put into the curriculum. But I think at any age, every stage, you can learn something about money and financial fitness, as I call it. I like to come at it from a positive standpoint. I think you can incorporate real world lessons at every grade, every every age. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that very much. And I definitely agree. So, so what are some of those key learnings? I'm, I'm sure that there, there are a million, but some of those key learnings or maybe practical skills that these young adults, entrepreneurs really need? Uh, absolutely. So I think the first thing is kind of checking your mindset around how do you feel about money? Because as I said, this little five-year-old is, is feeling that money's evil. So you've got to figure out how you think about it. And being able to observe that and how do you react? What are the gut instincts you have? Um, See if it's a positive thing or not. And then you've got to change it if you've got some kind of scarcity mindset where you're thinking that I'm not going to have enough. If so-and-so at their business has wins more clients, there's probably not going to be enough for me. So getting out of that kind of thinking uh, is really the first step. The second thing I think that's really important is to detach your emotion from the money and start thinking about money as a tool to help you accomplish your goals. And so that works for individuals, it works for business owners, um, because it takes a lot of the power out of money and the control that it can have over you. And when you start thinking about what can you use the money for, how can I grow my business, how can I hire more people, uh, how can I increase sales, it becomes more exciting and more positive. Yeah, and I think that those are, it's such an important thing, and I, I think that that there's so many of us who are walking around that do have more of a scarcity kind of a mindset than they do an abundance mindset um, about money. So it's it, it's a matter of figuring out how, I, I, I guess if you could help me just understand from a real practical standpoint, how how do I recognize that, that, that maybe I suffer from that and then how do I go about doing the work to change it? Absolutely. And so you're not wrong. I would say the majority of the population feels that way about money. Uh, So it's a very small percentage that feels like there's this abundance out there. And so first thing is observe it, recognize where you are, you're probably in the scarcity bucket. Uh, And then there's some really practical things that you can do that are tangible, because this isn't just things you think in your head. Uh, First of all, is to regularly practice gratitude. And it might sound silly, but when you wake up in the morning, you woke up you're alive, you can get out of bed, you can eat breakfast, you can get a shower, you have a place to live, got clothes to eat when you start or to wear. And then when you start thinking about all of those positive things in your life, you're already coming at things from a more positive uh, place. It's also the the people that you surround yourself with. I'm sure you've heard this, um, George, the the five most um, prevalent people that you spend your time with kind of make up how you think about things. And so if you're spending time with people who are anxious, stressed, worried about money, um, kind of feeling uh, like there's not enough around, that's going to translate over to you. Um, But if you're spending your time with people who are looking at things on the more positive side, um, that's going to rub off on you. And the final thing is to just give yourself a little bit of space. Uh, Let go of some things that aren't working well for you. Take on some new habits. And none of this is going to happen overnight. That gut instinct you have when you go to pay a bill or you get a bill in the mail, that's going to take some time to overcome. But by just recognizing how do you feel about that, thinking about it, and then trying to take some of these positive, tangible steps will move you in the right direction. And, And certainly it's not an overnight thing. No, it's certainly not making any any major change. You know, oftentimes we're going to get better the same way we got sick, which is small, small little bites at a time. So I mm-hmm. appreciate everything you just said. I think it's 
I think it's so important to uh, to, to 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 hear that. Now, l- most of that stuff is really not uh, kind of the nuts and bolts of of personal finance. When when you're working with people, are are they surprised to hear you talking about practicing gratitude? A little bit um, because they they think it's all about the numbers mm-hmm. and ultimately it is about what the numbers say but to even get started you've got to deal with how you even think about the numbers i find especially a lot of entrepreneurs um kind of in two camps one are afraid they don't know the numbers and so they're imagining this really worst case scenario of what their numbers are going to show if ever they looked at them um and then there's people who just can't think it's possible it's too hard for them and so um, if you actually can open your mind to looking at the numbers, uh, you don't need to do it alone, which is really important for entrepreneurs to remember, get help, get a bookkeeper, get an accountant. You're still accountable at the end of the day for what the numbers say, but you don't need to figure it all out on your own. So you don't need to feel like you're on this kind of uh, life raft out there trying to survive. Uh, and usually I find once entrepreneurs actually see the real situation, it's not as bad or as scary as they imagined. And then they're actually able to move on and solve a problem that they have one step at a time. You can't change everything at once. Right, right. And then you're able to actually, like you were talking about a little bit earlier, start using money as a tool to mm-hmm. to really begin accomplishing whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish for your life or your business. Yeah. And the first thing I would recommend for people to do, um, especially if you haven't been close to your numbers, most entrepreneurs are getting into business because they're extremely good and have skill sets and passion around a certain area for whatever their product or service is. It's generally not finance related. And so you probably don't have the education. But the really first step is to schedule a regular meeting with yourself once a week um, to get started and just start looking into the money stuff, looking into the numbers. Maybe the first time you're you're just looking in your bank account. What's going on in there? And then you build up over time taking those positive forward steps. Got it. Yeah. Again, to your point, it's not, you know, you're not necessarily going to go get an MBA. It's it's really taking small bites and and to your point scheduling a time once a week where you are just making sure that you're taking a look at everything and that'll get you moving in the right direction. So when we talk about uh, for for a business owner helping people to if if once they are paying close attention they are they they they, they have revenues coming in they've mm-hmm. maybe they have a bookkeeper and they're 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 looking to start maybe raising money or or taking money in to, to grow the business what are some some things that that lenders are really looking for well first off they're looking for you to be professional and credible. And so a lot of times when I meet with entrepreneurs, I'm, I'm really coaching them around, how are you going to have those conversations? And so sometimes the barriers for them to going and starting those conversations is they feel like they can't speak the language of money and the language of finance. Um, so getting people to help you speak the, the common language so that you feel confident. You don't need to know everything, but you need to feel confident in what you're saying so that you can present a confident, credible business owner. Um, lenders and investors certainly want to deal with people who feel um, confident and they feel that they have a handle on their business. Um, Certainly, if you're going to be looking for financing, you want to be able to have your numbers in order. So that's your your financial statements. You want to be able to likely have projections around your revenue, your expenses, certainly around your cash flow. 
as a former banker, I've ripped apart thousands of business cases, thousands of cash flow projections. And you're really looking, not that it's going to be perfect because nobody knows what the future is going to be. If we did, we probably wouldn't any of us be in the line of businesses that we are, but is it based on reasonable assumptions? Is it based on things that have actually happened in this business? Um, and so looking for that credibility and having being able to have that dialogue in a credible way is really important. That lender or that investor is not your best friend. You don't share all the problems in your business. If there were challenges in the past, you should bring them up and talk about how you're you're going to do things differently in the future, what you've learned and how these projections are, are kind of reflecting that new reality that you've learned. Got it. So people are, there's, there's a lot of people who are, who are in love with Shark Tank. It's, Mm -hmm. um, what is, what is your take on that process being that you have such vast experience? Um, I like to watch the show. I find it fun. Um, I'm surprised sometimes the people who go on because they're not really prepared for the questions that they're going to have. Um, some of the businesses that go on, they're not really able to scale to the, the place that those investors are looking to, to be and certainly to develop those really big valuations. Um, but just like anything, you've got to know your stuff. You've got to know your market. You've got to validate your idea for your business. If it's not working, pivot. That doesn't mean your idea is bad, um, but be on the ball with that information and not have to be looking up notes and all of that kind of stuff. And if you're not comfortable with the numbers, because sometimes some of those uh, people who are pitching are not very comfortable and they can't figure out the valuations on the spot, um, practice, get comfortable, work with people who can help you get up to speed. Um, so I like it from an entertainment standpoint. Um, I think that uh, it lends itself to certain types of businesses and not all businesses are going to be scalable to that level. Yeah, well, I certainly appreciate that. So, <laughs> got it. So, I mean, there's so many things, um, but and <laughs> when I say there's so many things, there's so many things <laughs> that uh, obviously doing everything we've just been talking about, but making sure that you are presenting yourself in a professional, incredible way, and understanding your numbers at least enough so you can articulate them. Um, so. W- what else fundamentally do you think that entrepreneurs need to be more accountable for? Well, I think they, they should be planning um, by jotting down their goals, um, actually forecasting them into their numbers. So if they do have growth plans, growth is really hungry and the fuel that it eats is cash. So if you want to grow your sales, how are you going to fund that? Is it going to be your savings? Is it going to be investor money? Are you going to go and get some financing for the bank? Um, The other thing I would say is um, not to be too quick to dismiss ideas. I hear from a lot of entrepreneurs that they can't hire somebody right now. And I said, well, are are you sure? Let's take a look at the numbers. And oftentimes, um, by bringing on that additional person, they're usually able to free up some time for the main salesperson, usually the owner, to generate enough revenue to cover that. Um, So I think that's really important. Uh, The final thing um, that I see very often is that entrepreneurs tend to price their products and services too low. They don't actually have a handle on how much it costs them to deliver. And so they're losing money generally on everything that they're doing. And there, there is room in the market if they uh, pitch their their product or service and show the true value of it. There is room to move up on pricing and make sure they're covering costs. Why do you think that 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 happens so often? The underpricing. Uh, I think it's fear that nobody will buy it if it's um, priced at a higher amount. And how dare you um, position yourself as something of value 
I think that gets into people's heads. So again, it's the the feelings around the money, not necessarily around the, the truth. Um, and not actually looking at the numbers to see if something's profitable is, is where the other issue comes. Again, not knowing. You need to know. <laughs> not knowing, yeah. <laughs> and then the other thing that plagues most entrepreneurs is they don't get paid regularly. And my mission when I'm working with entrepreneurs is to help them bring their businesses up to a place where they can consistently get a paycheck um, so that they're not consistently transferring in and out of the business personal to business account to kind of fund those cash flow problems as they're occurring, but make enough money so you can get paid. You probably didn't quit your job or, or start your business in the first place not to get paid. No, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. So appreciate that. <laughs> well, Tracy, Savage Nation, is you ready for your difference making tip? What do you have for them? Uh, so I would like everyone to be kind to themselves. Um, everybody can become more financially fit by taking one positive step each day. And so it's not insurmountable. Have patience, be kind to yourself, and take that one positive step every single day. Well, I think that is great stuff. That definitely it's Come on. Come on. It's one of my favorite things, Tracy, is to, uh, to work to be kind to one another. So amen to that. And thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Certainly. So the best way to connect with me is on LinkedIn. So I'd love to hear from anybody listening who has some questions or just wants to comment. And for entrepreneurs who are listening, who um, were intrigued about having this weekly meeting with themselves, but they're not really sure where to start. If you head over to cashcoach.biz, you can download a weekly money meeting agenda to have with yourself. It may be your first meeting, you're starting with just point number one. And as you continue to have them, you can advance through the list. So head over to cashcoach.biz to download that tool to help you get started today. I love it. Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Tracy your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to cashcoach.biz and download that weekly meeting agenda. Follow Tracy on LinkedIn and um, I'll list all those in the notes of the show. Thank you again, Tracy. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Before I go, quick announcement. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step by step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it, and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course, and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing. Leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on.